Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, we began a new three-part sermon series called People, Places, and Things. People, Places, and Things. And through this series, we are discovering how God uses people, places, and things to lead us into his plan for our lives. Last week, we looked at the people that God puts in your life and the importance of connecting and networking with those people, the people that God places in your life. And, and I, God has tremendously blessed my life with, with all of you. All of you serve in, in some way. You serve a, a role in my life. And our staff, I, I mean, just look at how God has brought the network of people together to help lead this church. And I'm so thankful for these divine appointments that God has put in my life. Um, last week, I told you that, that humanity was the only thing that God created that was incomplete. Out of everything that God created, humanity was the only thing that was missing something. And, and you have to understand that this was not a mistake God didn't make a mistake in, in making man, in making humanity. It was very intentional that God created us with this need for connectivity. We have a hole in us, and we are only fulfilled when we come together with God's people. And, and so we must have help, and we must recognize the importance of that connectivity that we need in our lives. There are some key places that are very significant in my life. And, and when I think about these places, I am reminded that something special took place there. It, it's like when I'm in Lake City, if I ride by Lake City Church of God, I know that on August 12th, 1995, that I married the woman of my dreams right there at the Lake City Church of God. So I can't pass by that location, that place, I can't pass by there and not think about my wedding day. When I drive on Newberry Road and, and I look over at the Women's Center at North Florida Regional, I, I can't help but think about October 17th, 1997, when Caleb and Kendall were born right there in that hospital. Every time I drive by there and I look over and I, I see the Women's Center, I think about that special day. I, I, I think about it. It's not there anymore, but, but used to, just, just until recently, I could, I could go on Archer Road and I could drive by the Olive Garden. Now, they've, they've, they've torn that one down and built a new one, but the old Olive Garden was, was special to me because it was there late, late one night. I was 20 years old, and I'm, I'm having dinner with Mandy. The restaurant is empty. There's nobody there, and I, I stand up to get on one knee, and when I stood up, my wife says, not my wife at the time, just my girlfriend, she looks at me and she says, no, 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 no. They come to the table. You pay the, the waitress and she'll take it. And I just ignored her and I kept standing up. And then I got down on one knee and I, I asked her right there in that olive garden to be my wife. I, I can't help but think about my wedding night. The first night of my honeymoon, every time I drive through Ocala and see that Hilton sitting over there on the side of the road, and now you'll never forget that either. Every time you drive by it, you are welcome. My wife hates me right now. Special places in my life, special to me, and every time I, I see these places, it, it, it brings back memories. In our lives, 
A significant event has the ability to make a particular place special. You've got these places in your own life. That something significant happened there, and because something significant happened there, you see that as a very special place. But in the Bible, it was often the opposite. The place itself often played a major role in creating a significant event. That God chooses a geographical location in order for a miracle to transpire. God would put certain people in certain places that would set the atmosphere for life-changing events to take place. I think about Moses as he's leading the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt. And he comes and he stands before the, the Red Sea. He's got a great body of water before him, nowhere to go, and behind him, Pharaoh's army is pressing in. That geographical location would become the place of a great miracle. I, I think about the three Hebrew boys when King Nebuchadnezzar created a, a huge statue of himself and, and demands that everybody bows down to that. When the music starts playing, you bow down and you worship my statue. And these three Hebrew boys knew that that they were raised in, in such a way that this would be going against the law of God, that they were not to bow down to any graven images. There's no way that they can bow down to this. In their minds, this is sin to them. They cannot do it. And so the music starts playing, everybody bows down, but no, they do not bend a knee. And because of this, King Nebuchadnezzar demands that the fiery furnace be turned up seven times hotter than normal. And he throws those three Hebrew boys into that geographical location, that fiery furnace. He throws them into that place. I think about Daniel, part of the exile that the Babylonians took Daniel and took him captive. Uh, every day, Daniel would go and he would, he would get on his knees three times a day and he would face Jerusalem and he would pray for his homeland. And King Darius said, no one is allowed to pray. No one is allowed to pray to the God of Israel. But nevertheless, he was faithful three times a day, kneeling and praying, facing Jerusalem. When the king found out about it. He demanded that Daniel be thrown into a lion's den, a geographical location. It was a lion's den and he demanded that he be thrown into that place. The miracles of these events do not happen if the people involved are not in those particular places at that particular time. Think about it. There's no need for God to part the sea if they are not stuck between Pharaoh's army pressing in and the Red Sea in front of them. If, if they're not in that geographical location, there's no need for the miracle to take place. When you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they, they don't get to walk in the fire with the Son of God unburned, is what the Bible says, if they are not thrown into that fiery furnace in the first place. And so unless they're thrown into that geographical location, that we don't even get the miracle of them being in the fire with the Son of God. God does doesn't send his angel to shut the mouth of the lions in the lion's den if, if Daniel is not put into the geographical location of the lion's den. In order for this miracle to transpire, we must have Daniel in the lion's den. They, they say in real estate 
that the three most important factors in determining the desirability of, of property are location, location, location. You guys are quick. Often the three most important factors for a miracle of God to take place are location, location, location. Sometimes just being in the right place at the right time, you get the miracle that God has for your life. But often we are looking at it as the wrong place at the wrong time. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to start reading at verse 16. We're going to read quite a few verses out of this chapter, out of chapter 16 of, of the book of Acts today. I, I do not want you to close your Bibles until we, we get to the end because we are going to be reading quite a few verses and, and I'm going to be stopping and starting, but I want you to see this. And so whether you're opening your Bibles or, or getting out your, your Bible on your phone or your iPad, just keep it open with me for a few moments as we read through these verses. Acts chapter 16 Verse 16. And it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, Annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. Has anybody ever been in the wrong place? at the wrong time. Anybody in the room? Paul and Silas are geographically located in the coastal city of Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony that was still influenced by the Greek Hellenistic culture. And so you've got two cultures that are trying to merge in that one place, and it, it creates quite an atmosphere. Philippi was a typical first century city in the fact that there were many gods that were worshipped there, including some people that were part of, of what they called the imperial cult that worshipped Caesar as he claimed to bring salvation and peace to the known world. And so people would worship Caesar for that. But it's very interesting to me that there appears to be no Jewish synagogue in Philippi as Luke says that they were going to a house of prayer rather than to a synagogue. Just a few verses prior, they gathered outside the city at a place of prayer beside the river. It appears, and most scholars believe, that the Jewish population in Philippi was extremely small. According to Jewish tradition, you would have to have 10 Jewish men 
required to form a synagogue. So you'd have to have 10 Jewish men ready to sign off and say, we are now a, a group that we are, are ready to be instructed in God's word. We are ready to take the law seriously and, and therefore we will form a synagogue. And so Jewish Midrash tells us that you had to have 10 of those men ready to do that. So there's not enough Jewish men there in Philippi to create a synagogue. And there's only a mention of a brand new female believer in Christianity that they just met probably the day before by the river at that place of prayer where they led her to Christ and then she leads her family to Christ. And so you do not have a strong Christian influence there. You do not have a strong Jewish influence there. So Paul and Silas find themselves now in prison and there's no one coming to visit them on family day. No one's coming to see them anytime soon, much less break them out of prison. There, there's no one there to accomplish this. And, and, and this has to, to be a tough place for, for someone to be. And it, and it feels like the wrong place at the wrong time. And sometimes these places are literal. It's, it's a physical place, like a prison cell. And, and God has you in this physical place, and it just doesn't feel right. But more often than, than not, these are actually intangible places of despair. You, you, you can't touch it, but yet you're there. You're there mentally. You're in that place. You're in a place of despair mentally, and it's hard for you to get out of that. Or maybe it's depression. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, it's anxiety. Whatever it is, the enemy has got a grip on your life, and you're in a bad place mentally. I know what that feels like. I have been there. I know what that attack feels like on a person's life. And it's a very real place. Some of you will understand what I'm talking about when you, you're, you're running late for work and uh, your child throws up all over you. And so it just goes from bad to worse, right? I mean, you've got to go inside and, and wash your hair. You're going to be even later. Or if you don't, it's just a bad day for you and all your coworkers that have to smell it, right? Or, or maybe money is already tight and, and, and the home AC goes out. And you don't have the money for this repair. But yet you've got to have it repaired. So that's why you've got to go take out another credit card and, and max out that credit card because the home AC has to be repaired or maybe you're in between jobs and, and you need your car to go to interviews. You need your car to, to go and put in applications and, and all of a sudden your car breaks down and it just goes from bad to worse. You're in a bad place. And situations like these require poetic tragedy to explain. Phrases like this, when it rains, it pours. Uh, Murphy's Law states it like this. It says, things will go wrong in any given situation if you give them a chance. Or more commonly, maybe you know it like this, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I'd like to find Murphy and just strangle the life out of him. <laughs> Who gave him the right to make that a law, right? One of the greatest theological minds ever, he wrote this amazing book one year before he died in 1991. It was actually the last book that was published before his death. And um, I brought the book with me today because I figured even the men in the room would enjoy reading this book. So I'm going to make this recommendation to you because the book actually has pictures in it. And it's called, All the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. 
And so women, pick this book up for your men. They'll love it. They'll love it. Let me read a little bit to you from this book. Listen to the great theological mind of Dr. Seuss. Wherever you fly, you'll be best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch, and your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. Anybody ever been left in a lurch? It's tough. It's tough when, when you find yourself there in that place, and, and it, it's, it's not an easy mindset. It's not a, it's not a good place to be, and, and it feels like it's one of the most unhealthy places for you to be mentally. Paul and Silas, they were already being nagged by this little demon-possessed girl. She's, you ever been a little demon-possessed girl? <laughs> they're, they're horrible. She won't shut up every day. The Bible says every day. As they're walking into the city, little Linda Blair's over there just, rah, 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 just on and on. And so the Bible says that Paul becomes annoyed with this. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. And, and he does what any responsible man of God is supposed to do. He casts the demon out. That's what he does. He, he, I don't know where her parents were at, but man, he looks at her and just casts the demon right out of this girl. And, and so this, this bad situation now has a little bit of hope. You ever had a little bit of hope only for the rug to be pulled out from underneath you? You know, things started looking up a little bit. Things were looking good, and then all of a sudden, they don't. You, it's, it's Dr. Seuss, right? Sometimes they just, they just, they don't look good. It just, it's, it's just bad sometimes. The men that were making money off this little girl, think about it. They were pimping her out for her fortune-telling skills. That's what they were doing making money off of her demonic ability. And, and now they can't make money off this little girl, so they become irate with Paul and Silas, and, and they have them taken to the town square. They're stripped of their clothes. They're beaten with rods, and, and now they're thrown into prison, and their situation just continues to go from bad to worse. But church, when you find yourself in that place of despair, remember this, impossible odds create incredible opportunities for God's indescribable omnipotence. In other words, it may seem like there's no way out of that place that you're in, whether it be physical or mental. It may feel like there's no way out, but unless you are standing in front of the Red Sea with Pharaoh breathing down your neck, you don't get to see the mighty hand of God part the waters before you. You can't have both. You can't have the miracles of God without having a need in your life. In order for God to manifest the miracles in your life, you're going to have to go through some stuff in order to see it. You're going to have to be standing there facing your Red Sea. It's impossible, though, to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with God. That's the mindset that we have. I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's impossible to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with God. Understand, I did not say it's impossible to be in the wrong place. It's impossible to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with God because time is not an issue with God. I preached on this recently. 
God's not concerned with time. He lives outside of time. So God doesn't have a watch that he's looking at. He's not staring at the calendar, counting off the days. No, God is not phased by your deadlines. God is not phased by the due date. God is not phased by how quickly this needs to happen in your finite mind. No, God does not even concern himself with time. He lives beyond time. And so if you find yourself in the wrong place, just remember this. God is an on-time God. Always. God's never early. Sometimes I wish that he was early. But he's never early. But thankfully, God is never late. God is always right on time. Let's pick it up at verse 25. Verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Josh and I were standing backstage talking a moment ago, and, and he, he told me, he said, he said, I had this idea in my head as, as you were reading that, some of the other prisoners, that maybe they didn't like Paul and Silas singing so loudly. You know, it's midnight. They're trying to sleep. Can you imagine two guys new to the prison? They're just in there having their own little party in their cell, and everybody else is trying to nap. Everyone else is trying to, to, to catch some Z's, and these guys, they're having church next door. I, I remember when I was in high school, I was on the basketball team, and our coach was mad at us, and uh, he, he put us on the wall, and we had to to lean against the wall. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you have to lean against the wall and you have to bend your knees at the 90 degree angle and you just have to sit there. And, and so we're all lined up on the baseline, all lined up on the wall. And I, I, I'm just struggling, man. My, my, my legs are starting to bounce and shake. And, and all I could think about, all I could think about was, I got to sing. I got to sing. And the only thing that would come to my mind, now listen, during that time, all I'm listening to is, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue. That's the things that I was listening to. But the only thing that came to my mind, amazing grace. And the kid next to me went, shut up. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, I am losing. I'm like, if I don't get my mind off of this, how sweet the sound then all of a sudden, they all joined in with me. The whole basketball team started singing Amazing Grace. Josh, I don't know if that's the way it happened or not, brother. But I know at some point, they started hearing the, the shackles breaking. They started hearing the chains hit the floor. The foundation started shaking of that building. And I think at that moment, everybody in the rooms, teach me the song, quick. Can you throw the words up on the wall? I, I need to know what we're singing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Praise God. This is what you wanted. Paul, run! Silas, run! Can you imagine all those other prisoners? The doors are, are opening to their prison cells. It is time to get out of Dodge. You don't want to stick around. You have your newfound freedom. This is what you wanted for your life. But don't miss the real reason why they're there, church. Here's what happens when we find ourselves in that desperate place. We become so focused on us. 
We are selfish individuals. I'm a selfish person. Because when it's my trouble, when it's my place of despair, I want to turn my attention to me. Listen to me. Somebody, somebody's about to, to get out of prison. You're, you're, you're about to understand why God's got you where you're at. The real reason why they're in prison is not so that Paul and Silas can be set free. Because you're never in that place just for yourself. Verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. All. How does Paul and Silas convince all of the other prisoners not to run? He says, don't kill yourself, man. We're all in here. We're just hanging out. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he, baptized, and, and, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Wherever you are, mentally, physically, Wherever you are, God has you there for a purpose, and you've got to start understanding that. You might not like how you got there. You may not have chosen that location for your life. You may not want to remain there very long, but you have to understand while you're there, God has you there. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you have to understand that your steps are ordered by God and that you're not going anywhere. God doesn't want you to go. And so you have to understand that God has you there in that place for a purpose. If you're a child of God, that's where your faith has to kick in. That's where you have to understand God is not going to leave me here, but while I'm here, I've got to figure out what he's doing with my life. And the reason why they were stripped, beaten, and imprisoned wasn't just for God to free them. They were free when they were walking into the city every day and the little demon-possessed girl keeps calling out to them. They were free in that moment. Have you ever wondered before, you're like, God, I... You were faithful. You brought me out. But I don't understand. Why did you put me in that place to begin with? I was free before prison. You put me in there, and now I'm, I'm basically in the same place I was before I, I went in. What's the purpose in that, God? Why, why would you put me in prison just to show off and show that you can free me? Listen to me. Your God doesn't have an ego problem, okay? He doesn't have a God complex. He is God. God doesn't have to show off his powers just, just to appease himself. There's always purpose behind it. God will often put you in a place of despair in order to bring freedom to someone else's life. And in this case, it was the jailer. It was the prison guard. God wanted to do something in his life. 
And I don't know what it was that was so bad in his life that he was ready to commit suicide. I hope you didn't miss that. The guy pulled his sword out and he is about to kill himself when Paul calls from inside and says, don't kill yourself. We're all in here. What, what was wrong? Maybe, maybe it was this, the, the guy sucked at his job. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was just a horrible employee. And he's like, last month, three prisoners escaped. Now the whole prison's getting out. You know, I, I'm, I'm done. I, I work the night shift. It's midnight. I work the night shift every night. I sleep during the day. I never get to see my wife and kids. It's not worth it. You know? Or, or maybe his marriage was a wreck and, and he didn't want to have to go home and, and explain to his wife I failed again. There's no income. Or, or, or maybe he was a workaholic and, and, and he, the, the stress of having to work all the time and, 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 and never being able to, to see his wife and kids. Maybe that got to him. Maybe, maybe it was simply he was behind on his taxes. He had not rendered unto Caesar what was Caesar's. And, and with this mistake, he's done. And, and whatever it was, life was bad for this guy because he's ready to kill himself. This guy's ready to end his life. It's pretty bad when you get to that place in life. And he is ready to end it all. The real prisoner in this story was not Paul. The real prisoner in this story is not Silas. The real prisoner is the prison guard. The enemy had this guy so mentally bound that he was ready to end his life. And God put Paul and Silas in that prison so that a prison guard and his family could be set free from sin. Later on, Paul would write a letter to the church in Philippi. It's called the book of Philippians. I I hope you understand what I just said. In a place where there was very few if any, Christians, a place where there were very few Jews, not even 10 men to form a synagogue, they now have a church. And there's enough people there that Paul says, I need to write a a letter to the Philippians. And here's what he says in his letter. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Let me tell you what Paul was saying. Prison was worth it so that you would come to know Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that prison guard reading this letter from Paul to the church? to the Philippian church. Can you imagine this guy reading this letter and he gets to this, to this sentence and, and, and Paul says, man, even if I was poured out as a drink offering just so that you would come to know Christ, it's worth it. I'd do it all again just so that you and your family could come to know Jesus Christ. Selfishness says, I'm in a bad place right now. Let me focus on me. When will we reach that place where we start looking around and we're like, God, I'm in a bad place right now, so you've got me here for a purpose. Who do I need to find? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to speak? Who are you sending me to? Shackles. The chains of slavery are weighing you down right now. And you're focused on yourself. And the only way you'll ever find freedom 
is to turn your attention to someone else that God wants you to reach. It's so easy to get stuck in a rut in our own prison cell and not even notice who is hurting around us. You may be stuck on that job so that Christ can be glorified in your co-worker's life. They seem far from God right now. But what if you're stuck on that job that you can't stand? It is a chore every day for you to go to that job. It's a bad place. But yet God has you there for a purpose to reach someone. You may be stuck in that marriage just for the mere fact that God wants to extend grace. He wants grace to be lived out so that your spouse can see the love of Christ. It's not easy but it's necessary. You may be stuck in that place so that you can't easily move on away from the people that God wants you to reach. God's put them in your path for a purpose. And church, it's hard to seek your own will when you're nailed to a cross for humanity. It's hard. When you're stuck to a cross and you look up to heaven and you say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he did that for me. That even when I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And he did that for you. Imagine what happens when you start realizing the places that God sends you are filled with people that need him. People will always come before the place, but understand the place has people. God's never going to send you somewhere in isolation. I believe the Holy Spirit wants somebody to hear that right now. That, that was not in my notes. I have not even thought this way, but God wants somebody to know he will never isolate you. That's not God's plan. He'll never send you to that place where you have no one to lean on. Paul had Silas. Together they had praise. Together they had God that would shake the foundation of that prison. And God would use them to reach one lost guard. Who's God sending you to? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.